Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Rock and Roll Church, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad to have you here. That's what they call us sometimes. I, uh, I'm Tim. I'm the pastor here. I had rotator cuff on my shoulder uh, surgery uh, on my shoulder uh, three weeks ago, and the doctor said I didn't need to wear my sling today, mom. <laughs> and physical therapist Justin at the New Lenox campus. Okay, it's all fine. Uh, recovery's going well so far. Nobody's punched me in the shoulder, and I haven't done anything stupid. Keep praying for that. I was at this Dave Ramsey thing, and I had a sticker, you know, name tag, and Bill Brown forgot, and was like, oh, that's not on there very good, and was rubbing all over. But otherwise, you know. That's, that's how it's going to go. Um, <clears throat> doctor said my rotator cuff injury was probably caused by RPM, which is a repetitive baptism motion. <laughs> so to all of you people who were, um, let's just say, hard to get back up out of the water, you know who you are. I'm going to turn it in on workman's comp. Truthfully, I, uh, I, I injured it 10 years ago in a motorcycle accident, and then I fell on it again in December, and it just kept going downhill. And, of course, obviously too much time in the gym. So finally in March, I, uh, I went in uh, to the doctor, and I got an X-ray, and I got an MRI, and I did the MRI, the special MRI, where they inject the dye into the thing so they can see it. That's super fun. And he said, okay, I can see a tear in uh, the top of the bicep, a tear in the rotator cuff, and, um, you know, you, you're going to have to have surgery at some point. You can put it off as long as you want. You're going to tell me when it's time to have surgery. So when I get out, and I told him, I couldn't sleep. It was just like there's no way I could swing a golf club or do anything. So it was just like, let's get it done. So after after surgery, he came out and he said, you know what? There was more in there than I could have even seen. Even in the fancy MRI, there were bone spurs digging in there that were just going to constantly be digging in and ripping the, the, the tendon. There's no way you could have gotten better without surgery. And neither will most of us in regards to what I'm going to talk about today and unless we have surgery, okay? We can wait till a divorce. You can wait till a bankruptcy. You can end up living in your kid's basement because you don't have any money for retirement. I mean, start processing that, would you? How ironic would it be to end up living in the basement of the kids that you could never get to move out of your basement? Huh? I mean, if you're not planning for retirement, you might as well just let them live there forever and when you're 65, switch floors, because otherwise you're going to end up living in a retirement community that looks something like this, okay? You're going to be like the guy I talked to recently said, I got enough money to last me as long as I live, as long as I die by next Tuesday, right, okay? Here's the deal with the financial thing, okay? One in three people in America has nothing saved for retirement. Six in 10 Americans couldn't cover a $1,000 emergency. 62% of Americans say the number one problem in their life is finances. That's probably the one that makes me the most sad. 62%, the number one problem in life is finances. I mean, sometimes you don't have anything to do with it. And there are, there are people listening to me right now. You can't do anything about where you're at. But a lot of us have a problem with finances because of the things that we've done to ourselves. 56% of divorces happen because of finances. So over the next few weeks... We're going to talk. Most of us have bone spurs that are digging into our rotator cuff, and we're going to be honest. You know, we may not feel it, but it's there, and you know it's there, and you can't put off surgery anymore. So we're going to cut it open and look at it, okay? It has to do with this, okay? It has to do with this. The Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. 
I think that's why Jesus talked more about this topic of our money and, and, and our possessions than any other topic. Do you realize that nearly 15% of everything that Jesus said had to do with this? Four times more than any other subject did Jesus talk about money and possessions. More than prayer, more than love, more than anyone, anything else. So here's, here's where we are at Parkview, okay? Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, okay? We're, we're all about that all nations were all over the place and right here also he said baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit even if it tears your rotator cuff and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you all right yeah we're at church pastors should be teaching about jesus right but we're going to teach you about everything and, and obey everything that's a strong word right it's not teach them to do the part of my teaching that they like it's teach them to obey everything like we can't skip this part where Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Why did he pick this one topic to say this is the false idol? Why did he do that? Uh, maybe I'll never get around to preaching everything that Jesus commanded, but this is one huge bone spur that I would have a hard time avoiding if I'm going to teach everything that Jesus commanded. Almost half, 43% of the parables that he taught, the stories that he taught all the time, they had to do with this issue, with our money, with the way we handle things. Why? Because he knows it's the number one thing that gets in the way of our relationship with God. Are we getting better? I just read this week, we are at an all-time high in 2017 right now in household debt, surpassing the previous record that was set in 2008, which kind of caused this thing we call the Great Recession, right? Because we were all overextended. We're, we're back in the same place. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I mean, there's so many implications to that, generally and specifically. One road is wide. A lot of people are on it. That's the GPS signal of the world, if you will, okay? And the other one is narrow. That's the GPS signal of God, and very few people find it. The God positioning satellite is the narrow road that leads to life. This is not about salvation. This is about life. This is about not piercing you with many griefs. That's what Paul said earlier. One road leads to the good place. One road leads to the bad place. I read this story, it happened several years ago, I've read it before, it was my favorite screwed up GPS story. This woman in Belgium went 900 miles the wrong direction because her GPS was wrong. She was trying to go 90, I did say woman, she said she went 90 miles. 90 miles, that's how she was, she was trying to go over here 90 miles and somehow her GPS said, nope, you're going over here. So she just kept going. She ended up in another country. She ended up in Croatia. She had to stop for gas twice. She had a minor accident and she slept by the side of the road, but she just kept going. Why? She said, I was distracted, so I kept driving. I saw, <laughs> I saw all kinds of traffic signs. First, they were in French. <laughs> then they were in German. And finally in Croatian, but I kept driving. Suddenly, I appeared in Zagreb. And I realized, Toto, I don't think we're in Belgium anymore. <laughs> 
If your GPS is messed up, it's worse than having no GPS at all, right? We have to listen to the right road because the right voice leads us to life. And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So we follow his plan. So the question is pretty simple. Where is your life when it comes to money? The Bible says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also, okay? It says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. It's not vice versa. It's not where your heart is, your treasure is going to follow. It's where your treasure is, your heart is going to go. That's super important. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Commandment number one in the Ten Commandments, no other gods before me. Commandment number two, no idols. Essentially, in our culture, I believe our finances, I believe this is about both things. It's commandment number one and commandment number two. I know when you read the Old Testament, you're like, I don't understand why those people were so swayed by idolatry all the time. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me either. But I'm sure they wouldn't understand Amazon Prime either. And here's the deal you got to understand. Andy Stanley said it well. Jesus wasn't trying to get people's money. He was trying to keep people's money from getting them. And we all know how it is to be gotten by money. Jesus doesn't want that. God wasn't worried about his children going and following the false idols because he was worried that they might like the other idols better. He was was concerned about them not following the other idols because those things aren't real. At its core, it's the same with anything that becomes an idol for us. It's the same with porn, okay? The problem is that that's not real. Those people, those situations, those things, they're not real. They're fake. So it's idolatry. Sex is beautiful. It's created by God to be awesome in the right context. Money is beautiful. It is not money that is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it is the love of money that will pierce you with many griefs. And, and, and it, it, what Paul said was, the love of money has caused some to wander from the faith and pierced you with many griefs. And I'm going to forget about the wandered from the faith thing for a second, okay? Let's just forget about that. Right? I don't care whether you believe in Jesus or not. I promise you, this is the number one issue people wrestle with in general. And it's going to pierce you with many griefs if you don't figure it out. So... In essence, when it comes to our money, God wants something for you, not from you. He wants, for example, you to be free from worry. Jesus told us this. Don't worry. Your father's going to take care of things. He wants you to avoid things that are going to mess up your life, pierce you with many griefs. Okay? He wants you to experience the joy of being generous. It's more blessed to give than to receive. He wants you to be free from the burden of debt, Proverbs 22. Right? I mean, the borrower is a slave to the lender. That, that, that's what happens. He wants you to be free to let your life be an impact on other people. And that can't happen if you're enslaved to your finances. And I want what Jesus wants, and so we're going to talk about this. I don't want anything from you either. I want what Jesus wants in your life. So uh, we had Dave Ramsey here uh, last week. He had some uh, seminars, used our building for some seminars. And um, in case you don't know who Dave Ramsey is, uh, 4.5 million people have 
graduated from Financial Peace University. If you graduated from Financial Peace University, will you raise your hand right now, all of our campuses? All right, everybody look around at these people. Um, they may not have stuck with it, but you got to ask them about it. Hey, did this change your life? Because most of them will tell you, yes, it changed my life. 13 million radio listeners every day, 485 stations, 10 million books Dave Ramsey has sold, saying the same thing over and over again. I made fun of him a couple of weeks ago, right? Don't spend more than you make. Don't take on any debt. Get debt free, okay? So uh, he's become a friend through some ministry things that have happened. And also uh, my oldest daughter's husband now works for him in, down in Nashville. Uh, so he came in for these, these, uh, these seminars and I asked him to sit down with me. I'm going to show you some little clips of it during this series. Uh, here's just a little interview, some advice from financial guru Dave Ramsey. Well, thank you, first of all. I mean, and, and you know, I want to say thank you because you employ my son-in-law. And uh, so, you know, you take care of my grandkids in a way. Thanks for, uh, one thanks grandpa, for loaning him to us. He's a brilliant young man. He, he is. One, one grandpa to another. My youngest daughter has her job because of a gathering that you and I did. She's at Mariner's Church. Oh, wow. And cool. it was because I met Kenton at your, at, sure. at your thing. And so, I mean, I, I owe a lot to you. Most importantly, all my kids are FPU graduates, and hopefully someday they'll stop asking me for money, okay? <laughs> That's a uh, big, biggest thing. Tell them they got to go back through the class until they get it right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will. Um, just thank you for doing this, being a part of this. Uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 we've talked a little bit. It's a, it's a weird new world out there. Um, the economy starts to come back. We've got people that are trying to figure out, okay, you know, how much debt am I, am I okay with? And I think we all kind of have a, a better idea of what debt shouldn't be. But just, I mean, from what you're seeing out there in the world, it doesn't seem like anything has changed. You're still telling people the same thing over and over again. I made fun of you in a sermon, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Just you, you know, you know, like that. Like, why are you still on the radio? How long? How how often do you have to say, "Don't spend more than you make"? So, what would you say to those people today? You know, I had a, a radio guy call me one time. We were on one of his radio stations, and he said, "I have to take you off the air." And I said, "Why? What would we do?" And he goes, "I'm afraid I'm gonna get sued." And I said, "Why did I? I don't say anything gets you sued." And he goes. Your show is so boring. Somebody's going to be listening to it driving, <laughs> fall asleep, and wreck. <laughs> you say the same thing over and over again. And I do. I do. I have for 25 years. I'm still in radio. He's not. So it's working. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back at you. But, yeah, it, it's um, the, uh, uh, yes, it, it is. There's nothing new under the sun, but it does take different shapes. Mm. You know, when I started back 25 years ago, we were dealing with a lot of baby boomer credit card debt. Right. Now, credit card debt's still really bad. Yeah. But, of course, the hot button today is the student loan. Student loans. Everybody's yeah. talking about student loans and the millennials. Mm -hmm. And so we're all talking about that. But it's still debt and it's still buying something I couldn't afford with money I didn't have to impress somebody I don't really like. It's still doing the same stuff. Yeah. It's still violating these basic, common sense, biblical principles mm -hmm. on handling money. And, you know, the weird thing is... Um, I'm still saying the same thing over and over, but you're still preaching the gospel. I, I, it's still the same I, thing over and over. Every I mean, Easter I talk about, you know, this really guy is. that rose and, from and, the you know, dead. There's, there's Jesus, yeah. and then there's Jesus, and yeah. then there's Jesus. Yeah. Because it's the answer to the problem. It's the solution to the equation. Hmm. And that's what we're doing as well. And, you know, the, this is how you handle your money. When you do it this way, it works. When you don't, it doesn't work. And it doesn't, the problem with the economy going good is 
when everything's going really good, stupid can seem okay, you know? <laughs> but when it turns down, stupid is exposed. Yeah. And, it, you know, Warren Buffett says you can tell who's skinny dipping when the tide goes out, you know? <laughs> and, and so that, that's the issue. And so you've got to be on these principles in good times and in bad times. Mm -hmm. And if you are, you're going to win in either equation, in either economy. Mm. In case you didn't catch that, Warren Buffett quote is, you can tell who was skinny dipping when the tide goes out, right? Uh, I mean, that, that's what happened to us back in the recession, and here we are, and what's going to happen going forward? We don't know. But I don't want you to have to mess with it. You have a choice. What are you going to serve, God or money? Andy Stanley, again, I want you to experience God's faithfulness. I want something to happen in your finances where you go, there is a God. He answered my prayer. There's no other way to explain that. I've seen it in my own life, Andy said, and I have too. For whatever reason, I don't know why, it's in the area of personal finances that God most often shows up in the most tangible ways. That's so true. It's happened in my life over and over again. And then he says, maybe it's because there's such an undeniable link to our hearts. That's, that's why we talk about this. That's why I want this for you. I know that it's the best way to live. Our FPU graduates would tell you it's the best way to live. Those of you who are living responsibly with your finances will say it's the best way to live, and you know that. It's like when I'm with my two-and-a-half-year-old grandson down in Nashville. He's always very content. He's a great kid. He's always very content to just hang out and do whatever we want to do. And sometimes when we're inside playing trains for, you know, a half an hour and I've had about all I can deal with. I say, hey, Charlie, you want to go to the park? And I know he's going to like to go to park. I know he loves the park. It's his favorite thing to do is go to the park. But sometimes he's like, no, because he's busy playing with Thomas, you know, and, and, he, and he doesn't want to go. And if I can talk him into it, I don't force him to do anything because I'm his grandfather and I let him do whatever he wants, okay? But, but if I can, you know, coerce him, I am pretty good at manipulation. If I can coerce him into uh, going to the park, do you know what happens when he gets to the park? He has the best time of his life. And you know what happens when it's time to come home? He cries because he doesn't want to go home. He doesn't want to go home. It doesn't matter if he's starving. He doesn't want to go home because it was great to be there. And he knew it was great to be there. He, even though I knew he really wanted to go, he didn't think he wanted to be there. And that's what God has done in this area of finances for us over and over and over again. That's why it was Jesus' number one subject. And we don't want to go back. If you've been there, you don't want to go back. Going back is just about not paying attention. So here's where we're going to start. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about just some very basic things to help you on your financial journey promise this is not fundraising. This is not a capital campaign. This is, I want, I want you to not be pierced with many griefs anymore, okay? These are, these are super deep things that you might want to write down. I'm going to give you two of them today, okay? Number one, figure out where you are, okay? Write down every single thing you spend every day. Take a minute and actually go through your monthly statements and figure out how much money you are spending on different things, okay? It's the very basic thing. I'm not even going to make you go on a budget yet. I'm just saying figure out where you are. Every once in a while when I'm traveling, I'll turn off location services on my cell phone. I, I'll just turn it off because you, sometimes you can say battery, you know, 
you get down to like 5%, you're like, oh, turn off Wi-Fi, turn off Bluetooth. Oh, I'm getting down to 4%. I better turn off location services. And, and sometimes when I'm on a plane and I put it on airplane mode, location services doesn't kick back in again. So here's what happens. I could be flying back from California and, and land in, in, at O'Hare and say I want to go someplace in New Linux, and I type it in, and it says it will take you 35 hours and 47 minutes to get. And I'm like, oh, did I put it on walk again? Am I on that? Do you ever do that? You're like, no, I'm not going to walk to New Linux, okay? No, I'm driving. And, and then I realize, oh, my location services isn't on. The phone still thinks I'm in L.A. And if you still think that you're back in L.A., you're never going to be able to figure out how to manage how to get to New Linux. Do you see what I'm saying? You just got to figure that out. You got to start where you are. It's the same thing in your finances. I had this happen. I'm just going to be honest with you. I had this happen recently with my credit card. There was a charge that I just wasn't paying enough. Sorry, don't tell Dave I have a credit card, okay? <laughs> I, I, I have a Southwest card, okay? I have a Southwest card to get miles. I know Dave would say it's really dumb, but a lot of you do too, right? Because I have to have all the miles I can get because my kids moved away, but I'm not bitter, okay? I have to get there. <laughs> And I have a Southwest. So, so we put, we pay it off every month, okay? I promise you, we don't leave anything on it, but we use it every month. The problem is you don't pay enough attention to it if you got a credit card. That's why Dave tells you to cut it up. Because if you're paying out cash or you're writing a check or whatever, it's different, okay? So I'm, I'm looking at my credit card statement, and I'm, I, a couple of times I'd seen this thing for some fitness thing is all I saw. And I just assumed it was something that my wife had ordered online. Because that's happened before. Every once in a while, she orders stuff online, okay? And, and, and I wasn't paying close enough attention. And finally, I was like, wait a minute, what is this? And I went back and I looked, and, and I called the place, and I'm like, who are you, and why am I giving you money? And it turned out that I, for 11 months, have been charged for a personal trainer in Phoenix, Arizona. I don't obviously use a physical to personal trainer, period, but I don't have anybody that lives in Phoenix, Arizona. For 11 months, I had been doing it. Now, the great thing was I figured it out. I made them give me my money back, and it was kind of like a tax refund. But the dumb thing is I let it happen in the first place. And here's what's so dumb about it. In the area of your finances, that's the, that's, in the area of your life, your personal finances are the simplest thing to keep track of. Okay, your professional life is difficult because you don't always have the ability to, to you know, to, to govern all of that. You don't have the ability to fix all those things. You got a boss and you got a company. In your love life, it's not always easy, right? To, 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 it's an intangible mystery. You can try to have the DTR, the define the relationship talk, you know, but take it from a guy who's been married for 33 years. I've never had one of those conversations go the way I thought it was gonna go. Can I get an amen from you boys, huh? Okay. But a DTM, define the money discussion, is really very simple because you know how many dollars came in. And unless you're paying for, also paying for a personal trainer in Phoenix, Arizona, you know exactly where your dollars are going. Not only that, the irony is you sent the little dollars on their way. And I realize there are different personalities. And I realize you're like, I'm, I'm just not wired to keep track of stuff. But I'm not either, really, honestly. But do you, <laughs> that's why, trust me, I don't have anything to do with it around here, okay? But, but do you seriously 
want me to believe that when you moved into your apartment or your house and you signed on to get energy from ComEd that you said to them, now, guys, I'm not really a once-a-month kind of person. Uh, God didn't wire me up to make regular payments, you know. I just want to wait till I feel it. Is that okay with you? Yeah, you'll be feeling it in the dark with some candles, right? I mean, it's not about your personality. It's about, it's about taking back control of your life. Listen to this verse. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. And in other words, the savings account is full in our language. But a foolish man devours all he has. They didn't have anything like credit back in Solomon's day. Or, or he would have said, foolish man devours all he has. And I can't even fathom how you people borrow money that you can never pay back. The first thing that we have to figure out is where we are. And then the second thing, also very, very deep, stop it. Stop it. I apologize to all my auto dealers, okay? Do not go buy a car for the next month, please. Don't buy a car. If you got cash, go, go do it. Great, fine. But, but, don't, but, but just don't even go in there because, you know, the 0% financing and the, all that, I mean, that, that, that's, it's going to get you. Don't go do that. Don't go shopping. Stay off of Amazon Prime unless you absolutely have to get something. Don't buy stuff. I, I know it. I know it's, it's, it's a hard concept. So let me let my friends from Saturday Night Live explain it for you. <laughs> what can you say? It, it's that simple. That's all I'm saying. But if it was that simple, you got to understand this was way before the recession. This is way before the last, you know, crisis that we had in the U.S. that they made this. It's such an obvious thing. And I'm as guilty as the rest of you, okay? The, the really important step about getting a hold of your finances is really a decision. It's not a step. It's a decision to say, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to take on any more debt. I'm not going to buy anything I can't afford. I'm going to start paying off the things that I shouldn't have bought in the first place, and I'm going to knock it off. You have to get angry about what debt does to you, what it takes away from you. You have to be angry about how it enslaves our marriages. Have to be angry about how it robs the joy from our life. How many sleepless nights, how much financial pressure. We have to be angry about what debt does to us because it's a bone spur and it's tearing up your rotator cuff and it needs to come out. Let me give you some help. If you had $3,000 on a credit card, I know some of you are like, no, I don't have any credit card debt. And some of you are like, I wish I only had $3,000 on a credit card. I wish I only had one. The average American has 13 credit cards. 13. Some of you are like, you got to be kidding me. And some of you are like, mm. <laughs> all right. How, how many frequent flyer mile programs do you need? 13. If you have $3,000 on one credit card at the average rate of paying it off with a minimum payment, do you know how much, how long it would take you to pay it off? 23 years, 283 months. And at the end of 23 years, you would have paid off that $3,000 with $4,729 in interest. Okay. Does that make you angry? That's what I'm going for. That's what God wants to tell you, man. Knock it off. Stores of food and oil is what you're looking for, okay? 
Here's, let me make, make it worse. Let's say you didn't spend $3,000 and instead you invested $3,000. You saved up $3,000 instead of spending $3,000 you didn't have. $3,000 in a mutual fund over 23 years at an average rate of interest, you would have $151,487 in the bank. Does that make you mad? That, do you see why Jesus spent so much time talking about it? Because we've got to get mad about it. And you may be like, wait a minute, PT, why are we talking about this? We're saved by grace, right? I mean, the narrow road, it sounds tough. I thought Jesus died to save us from the law. And he did. He did. We can eat bacon, you guys. It's awesome. I I found this on Yahoo yesterday. It's so great. A Jewish scholar believes he's found a loophole that allows Jews to eat bacon. Look, you don't don't need that, okay? You don't need any loopholes. You You can eat bacon. You can live in debt if you want to and still go to heaven. You could live on the water road that's all screwed up and be pierced with many griefs if you want to and still go to heaven. It's just a dumb way to live. You know, you try, got to trust me that going to the park is going to be more fun. You know that this thing is digging in there. We all know this thing is digging in there. Besides that, Jesus said, if you've not been trustworthy, this is a test. Okay. It's a test. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? I mean, I don't even, if you're God and you have the riches of the kingdom, are you going to give it to the people who are going to use it on the kingdom? Are you going to give it to the people who are going to take it to the boats? Come on. I won't even explain this, but for those of you who know it, who do you think God's going to bless? The guy in the chair of complacency, compromise, or commitment, Okay. One of the surprising things about people and their money is um, everybody claims they'd give more if they had more. And the irony of it is, statistically, that's not true. The more we get, the less we give, at least by percentage. Maybe we give more money, but by percentage, we give less. Because Solomon wrote, whoever loves money never has enough, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. So here's the deal. We're going we're gonna to worship now we're going to have a worship song about God's faithfulness. I'm going to pass the offering. And, and, and I'm not doing it because I want you to dump everything in there and, you know, we're trying to take up some kind of special offering. We just needed a place to do the offering. But I wanted to have a discussion before we did it because there's only going to be three more weeks where you will see an offering plate go in front of you. I mean, we're going to end passing the offering plate. Okay, you can put your name on one of them if you want and take it home and use it to decorate or something on Father's Day because we're, we're done with the offering, okay? Because the times are changing, right? Evidently, my bank's branch closed up on me several months ago and I didn't even know it because I don't go to the bank anymore, right? I go to First Midwest, I drove by there the other day, I'm like, huh, they're closed. I don't even know where I'd go to the bank if I needed to go to the bank, but I don't ever go to the bank because I automate everything, and so do you. We automate the things that are important, it's easier. So in keeping with the times, we are gonna stop passing the offering plate on Father's Day, because most of our giving comes in online, and we want it to all happen online. We're still gonna have offering boxes in the back, for those of you, we're going to install some offering boxes. And if you want to, you know, still carry in your envelope and your check or your cash or your clams or whatever it is that you use for currency, you could still do that. We're not putting Apple Pay on them, but we do have some kiosks out there if you want to do something. But we'll have a place for you to give. It's, this is not about us encouraging you not, not to give. It's about us encouraging you to automatically give and to get signed up and to do it the way that I think makes the most sense in 
this culture. Plus, you probably noticed that when we pass the offering, there's never much in there. Okay? And, and, and you're probably thinking, well, somebody died and left us a bunch of money. And that's not true yet. I mean, you can. We're open to that, but, but don't get any ideas, okay? The, the truth is I think it's uncomfortable for a new person to see this plate come by and it's empty and it's like, oh, what's, this, what's this all about? And it would be uncomfortable for me because if you pass, you know, the plate in front of me right now, I mean, I don't know what I could put in there. It's probably like 30 or $40 of cash and a pocket knife. You know, maybe my Apple Watch was a really good sermon, but that's not the, that's not the way it's going to be anymore, okay? So, so we're trying to get you to automate your giving on a regular... I, I automate everything. Do you know that I, I'm not making this up? I have a calendar reminder on my phone to take my Adderall every day. How else is a guy with ADHD supposed to remember to take his medicine for ADHD? It buzzes. I'm like, oh, it's time for me to take. This is, this is what I'm talking about. So three more weeks, we're not going to do it anymore. Just, just remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. It's up to you. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's what we believe. We're going to worship together. Let's pray. God, I just pray for us as we, uh, as we think this through right now, as we, as we contemplate what it is that you've done for us. And uh, more importantly, as we think about the griefs that we get ourselves into and the situations, now, it's not just about not paying attention. We just made bad decisions. We just think it's all going to go away somehow. And Lord, it's a bone spur that's digging in. So be with us. Help us to be the generous people that, that you were, that you gave us absolutely the most important thing you could. You gave us your son. Lord, be with us as we worship right now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.